posture. Just mention the word and most people straighten their back up just like that. I know I just did it myself and you probably just did it listening to this, even if you're in the car, going for a walk, whatever you gotta do. But uh, everyone knows they should have better posture. They should do something to improve their posture. The thing is, most people have no idea what that even means or where to start. Lucky for you, if you're listening to this today, we have a great interview that our director of training, Mike Urso, did uh, as part of the Think Fitness Life uh, podcast um, with Zach Schlein, who's the founder of a phenomenal corporate wellness solution known as Posture Break. And in this podcast, they'll talk about um, his whole background, um, you know, why he cares so much about this, as well as giving specific, tangible exercises, action steps that you can take today, and I highly recommend you do take today, uh, as soon as you can, after you finish listening to the podcast, as long as you're not driving, um, that will make an immediate impact on your posture. So without further ado, I welcome you to Golden Home Fitness Radio, as we're empowering people to live longer, fuller lives, no matter their age. Hope you have an awesome time listening to the show, and have a great rest of your day. And uh, we're going to dig into a little bit of, you know, Zach's background as a personal trainer, as well as, you know, why he started his company and who are the types of people that, um, you know, he's trying to bring a change into the workplace with in regards to posture and promoting health and wellness uh, in the workspace. So, um, Zach, let's just start off a little bit. I'd love to hear kind of about your background as a trainer. And then I know, you know, you, you had a... Uh, kind of a career change where you went into uh, more of a uh, office job or sedentary type of job and had an epiphany with that. So I'd love to hear kind of like your your story about uh, that whole situation and, and how you got involved in just, you know, paying attention and being more aware of posture. Sure. So thanks for having me on, Mike, and everybody else over there. So I was a personal trainer um, with Eric uh, in Boston. And I had a nice successful career there and was there for about seven years, really enjoyed my time and really enjoyed working out, uh, which is why I got into the personal training industry um, to begin with. I love working with people. I love connecting with my clients. It was really just an ideal situation for me. I liked being in that whole situation with other like-minded people that like fitness and bouncing ideas off each other. And it was it was really just a, a, an awesome place to work in my 20s. And so after a, a solid seven-year career there, one of my clients approached me and said, hey, Zach, you know, you're, you're doing great at this fitness thing. What, I think you could be super successful in a sales role. And that was in a, a corporate environment. And so I'm like, all right, I want to give this a shot. I, all my clients were in the corporate world, and I, I wanted to see what it was all about. So I started this corporate this corporate job and it was my job to cold call and cold email and try to get clients working for me. And, you know, I was, it was, it was a grind. Um, you know, personal training can be a sales grind yeah, too, yeah. but this was a real grind. Cold calling. I don't know how many people out there have actually done it before, but it's tough, but somewhere along the lines, not too far into my, my corporate career, I really started to uh, how feel long my body point, breaking yeah. down. And this, I mean, it was, it was probably within the first week I was really cognizant of it. I mean, I haven't, I haven't sat down for seven, eight hours a day just on a job. 
Well, right. Yeah, you're yeah, you're going from a job where you're primarily standing, right, working with your clients in the gym environment and then going to a place where you're sitting behind a computer with a phone, you know, at a desk. Gosh, I can imagine what that what your body feels like after wanting to be in motion and then all of a sudden, you know, you're trying to adapt to, you know, just being static. I thought it was going to be great. I'm like, oh, you get to sit down all day. It's nice and easy. You're not picking up weights on and off, which I never, I never disliked that part. I, I always liked it. I like demonstrating exercises for people. I liked giving them weights. It, it was, it was a physically demanding job. You're standing for, you know, who knows how long, um, personal training, and then you yeah. go here. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to be sitting. It's going to be nice and relaxing. But I noticed that my joints just didn't feel good. My body didn't feel good. I, I noticed my neck, my head protruding forward. My shoulders were rounding forward. My low back was getting a little cranky. And I was just really cognizant as, as it was. I mean, this was 2015 when I started this job. And, you know, sitting there's the new smoking, that, that phrase had become right. popular, but I don't think it is as popular as it is now in 2018. So I started just employing these personal training strategies and techniques during the day just to really just mitigate the negative effects of sitting. Like what, what kind of stuff were you doing? So it's anything from uh, kneeling at my desk, doing self-myofascial release techniques, doing some body weight, not necessarily calisthenics. It wasn't terribly explosive in nature, but it was just body weight movements mm -hmm. to improve my posture, activate important postural muscles, stretch muscles that generally get tight from too much sitting. And of course I, I had the knowledge and, and to know what all this stuff is, you know, I could really target it and know that. Yeah. And the, and you know, the guy or the gal in the workplace who are sitting there and getting up and doing stretching and you kind of, it's not customary, right. For the office worker to be, you know, doing some sort of exercise at their desk or in the workplace, right? So you must have stuck out like a sore thumb a little bit. It's kind of, it reminds me of the people on the flight who want to pace up and down the aisles. That's exactly bit, right. Know, so don't want to sit because, you know, obviously it kills your hips, your back, your neck. Um, and and I, I don't look at those people the same. Everyone else is like, God, that person, what are they doing? Why are they walking? But I look at them like, wow, that, you know, good for them, you know? Yeah, and I'm, I'm definitely one of those people. Sitting still for me is a chore. And I didn't realize that until I started my corporate job. So yeah, mm -hmm. my coworkers were looking at me like I was nuts. But they're also intrigued. And they were asking, you know, what are you doing? And why are you doing it? And I would just talk to them. And I would tell them, you know, Dr. James Levine coined this phrase, sitting is the new smoking. It's more dangerous than cigarettes. And people, and you hear that because it just affects more people. It's not that sitting is more life threatening than smoking. It's just the mere fact that a larger volume of people sit down every day yeah. than smoke. And so that is where you hear the phrase, you know, sitting is actually more dangerous than smoking. That, that's where that comes from. And so I keep doing this desk job. I'm, I'm grinding it out and eventually enough became enough. I was done cold calling. I, I miss fitness. I miss having that be a part of my lifestyle. And so I wanted to get back into training, but I also wanted to start this company where we teach office workers how to navigate the physical aspects of their job or lack of physical aspects of their job. 
I saw it every day working in the Boston Financial District. These people who had been working over a desk for 20, 30, 40 years, and their bodies just become a mess. And I don't think it has to be that way. I mean, I do believe in the natural aging process, but I don't believe that people have to succumb to this super kyphotic posture that you see adopted in all different kinds of people, mostly yes. people that sit at a desk for a living, um, older people, but it's even emanating now to, to younger people with you know mobile devices and computers. And I think all Posture Break is, it's an education company. That, that's what I want it to be in an awareness company. Yeah. And I think you're right too. I, I you know, to your point, and, and for those who don't know what kyphotic means, it's simply just kind of like that rounded uh, shoulder forward shoulder position where it's like almost like a humpback, like where gravity just takes over over time. And, um, you know, your, your trunk starts to kind of slump forward a little bit and you have that little bump on your uh, upper back muscle. And really the muscles of the upper back get stretched long and the, the muscles in the front of the body, like the, the pecs, the anterior shoulder, it gets all kind of tight. And, um, and so now, you know, the neck pain, you know, starts to creep in. And, um, and again, to your point, it's about sitting in one static position. It's about being rigid for too long, as opposed to, you know, exploring the different capabilities of what our body's able to do, or just the opposite movement of what gravity typically pulls you into. Um, yeah. And so, um, I see it now too, you know, like you just said, with younger kids as well, 13 year old kids, people are on their cell phones um, and, you know, just, you know, playing games or texting and they're just all curled forward. Uh, their posture is, you know, totally um, just kind of closed off. And then, you know, over time, right, structure changes over time if it maintains that that way without any, you know, opposing stimulus for a long time. And so it's amazing to see um, you know, kids. And, and, and I would imagine too, that that stuff would translate into sports performance as well, right? For kids, you know, not being able to have optimal posture, shoulder position, you know, maybe kids who are in throwing sports like baseball, um, that's got to compromise some of their abilities, right? I, I would think I don't have any evidence to support, but I, I mean, how could it not? I mean, if you're, you're lengthening right. muscles that shouldn't be lengthened, you're shortening muscles that shouldn't be shortened, your body's not going to be working optimally. How are you going to perform in anything properly, even just walking to the bus or whatever it is? I mean, that's going to catch up to you sooner or later, whether it's going to be knee pain from a forward head posture situation or neck pain or migraines. I mean, it can... So, yeah, so that's what I, was, I wanted to ask you about. So when, when it comes to, you know, seeing people that have really poor posture, um, what are some of the, what are some of the ailments or, um, you know, what, what, what kind of cascades from that? What, what, what types of pain or ailments or dysfunctions do you typically see, um, with that? Um, well, you see a lot of TMJ and neck pain or, uh, jaw pain. Mm -hmm. You get, um, you get just typical neck strain. You can get migraines. Um, you can get knee pain from just having too much weight supported in the front of you, the anterior part of your body, and you're putting too much pressure in certain areas. Um, it could be trouble breathing. You're not getting optimal airway because your lung and your diaphragm area has collapsed. Well, that's a big one too, right? And that also, you know, people who maybe, you know, I would imagine 
when you were in your job, there was stress involved in that too, especially if you're in a sales position where maybe your some of your income is commission based and you know you're not closing some of these sales that you'd like to, and so there's stress involved. Stress also plays a part into how our posture um, you know succumbs to our body language. I would imagine a lot of a lot of that has like a compounding effect, right? Absolutely, hundred percent. And and I'm sure that you guys you guys talk about this in your podcast. I mean. Health and fitness is a holistic approach. There's not one thing that is going to make you an ultimately healthy person, but stress, that's a huge part of any kind of performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I remember watching a TED talk uh, a few years ago, uh, a woman by the name of Amy Cuddy, and she is a um, body language expert. And she talks about, you know, power posing versus, you know, getting into a pose where you are kind of slumped forward into that, you know, kyphotic desk worker uh, position that we were just talking about and how that actually changes, you know, your, your, um, your perception of yourself or your confidence in that moment. And so, you know, you can change how you feel just by changing your posture. And so I would imagine too, um, either with some of the companies you work with or even with your current clients that you're coaching um, who do have desk jobs that when you're trying to tell them to, hey, take a break in the middle of the day and, and get up and stretch, that must change um, just their stress levels as well as you know just how they feel um, from an energy standpoint throughout the day. It does. And all my, my clients tell me, my personal tra- training clients tell me they're much more cognizant of their posture. They're thinking about it more. They're aware mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't even have an idea before that it was happening. And that's my goal because you're not going to change your posture overnight. It's going to, it's a, mm-hmm. it's going to be a long-term play. And I don't want to emphasize that there's one resting posture that everybody should adopt. Mm-hmm. I want people to adopt a neutral posture for their own body, which, which just means that any one of their joints are not going to be at one extreme end range for an extended period of time. And that might even encompass a neutral position. I don't even think we should be in a neutral position for 100% of the time. We should always be moving. But the problem with that is, how do you accomplish that in this corporate society? I don't even even think standing desks are the answer. I mean, the the answer could be walking meetings, I mean, there's, there's got to be a whole, which I haven't figured out yet. I don't think anybody has um, other things that you can do to alleviate the fact that people just aren't moving enough. Now, what do you say to people too? Because we've had this discussion before on the podcast of the people uh, and the, or the client who we tell, hey, you, you, know, you need to get up, you need to move around, take a, you know, take a walk to the water cooler, maybe hit the stairwell in the middle of the day and do a, you know, do a couple flights of stairs just to stretch your legs so you're not sitting for eight hours. Uh, what do you tell the people who say to you, well, you know, I got a, a standing desk now at work and so now I'm just standing all the time. I mean, you kind of just you know, alluded to just standing all the time isn't good either, right? Right. Just like health and fitness, what we just talked about, having a comprehensive, holistic approach is going to be the best way to deal with whatever ailments that you're dealing with. So standing, having a standing desk, sitting, um, kneeling, walking, doing some posture break movements, um, drinking a lot of water so you have to go to the bathroom more frequently. I mean, these are all techniques that people can do to get a little bit more movement. Um, but then that also starts the the debate. Well, 
I'm supposed to be focused on my task and working. Mm. Um, you know, I don't have time to do all this stuff. Okay, well, how about a treadmill desk? Now, that unfortunately could be costly and bulky and looked down upon in any culture, but that might actually be the best answer. And the thing with the treadmill desk is I, I did a little bit of research on this. Dr. James Levine, who I brought up earlier, was the person to coin sitting as the new smoking. And he's reportedly the person who invented the first treadmill desk. And so he started walking two hours and 15 minutes extra every day at work while at a standing desk. And he found some amazing things. The, the biggest thing that he found was that he lost 20 pounds in like three months or something. So once other people started adopting this, the treadmill desk, he began hearing all these other fantastic results of people losing weight, people losing 20, 30, 40, even 70 pounds in a year. Wow. People have reported uh, losing weight from walking two hours and 15 minutes every day on their treadmill desk. And walking, and there's a specific speed that is ideal for mm -hmm. the treadmill desk, which is between one and two miles an hour. And they've done studies well, on so, it yeah, that, that was say be that it doesn't, it doesn't impede with data entry and you know, kind of fine motor tuning a little bit. It decreases your performance by about 16%. Yeah. But as far as productivity, they haven't found any decrease in productivity. Well, so, yeah, now this could be my next question. What's about productivity? Yeah, you so know. like I said, like data entry and fine key, um, you know, data entry with your keyboard and and doing things like that, there was a slight decrease in performance, but it's all about what, you know, what are you, what's more important to you being 16% more efficient in your typing, or, you know, do you want to lose a pound every two weeks from walking two hours and 15 minutes? Yeah. You know, something that you mentioned before is, you know, we need to continuously change positions and um, find like what's neutral for us not necessarily be stuck one way or the other. And um, it just comes, it brings to mind uh, some, some of the things we've talked about on this podcast in the past, which would be core pendulum theory, um, which was um, yeah, something that Charlie Weingroff talks a lot about, which is all about joint centration. And so when you go into um, that, you know, excessively kyphotic posture that you're talking about, or uh, we can call it Yonda's upper cross syndrome, um, you have that anterior shifting or translation of that um, glenoid fossa or that, you know, the shoulder joint kind of shifts mm -hmm. forward. And so because of that, not only do we kind of lose the ability to, um, you know, retract the shoulder blades as well, uh, we, we get too tight in, in that anterior part of the chest, uh, pec, pec minor, um, anterior shoulder, but, but it also is a huge rob of, of um, uh, nervous system uh, efficiency, right? When your body is constantly out of that neutral position, if all the joints, right, are stacked properly and gravity is not um, uh, being uh, placed onto the body uh, in a non-optimal position, well, then you have a lot less stress on your central nervous system. And so when you have a lot of stress on your central nervous system, uh, you are actually going to, you know, you're not going to recover as quickly. You're not going to be able to, uh, if, if these people are performing in the gym or at a sport or in an, uh, some sort of physical activity, they're not going to perform as well because that central nervous system is being stressed at a higher rate because their body is out of a proper position. And so I think those are some, some, uh, aspects of it as well, that, 
um, for the person who is, you know, that, that, you know, sitting at a desk and is in a stuck posture, um, you're getting robbed of, of slightly, you know, more performance in the gym. If you are somebody that is hitting the gym, that you are somebody who's looking to knock out a little bit more weight on the bench press or in the squat, uh, body being out of position like that is going to rob you of some central nervous system efficiency. And, you know, you're, you're just going to stress your system even more simply by being out of position. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, especially for those of us, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are much more fitness minded than the typical person that I'm really trying to help. But that brings up a great point, just losing performance. I mean, you, that's, you don't want to do that no matter who you are, but I don't know if everybody cares about that. I mean, what do you think? I mean, I'm sure people know that in a desk all day or sitting down in one position probably isn't good for them, but do they care enough to do anything about it? Yeah, I don't know. You know, for me, I think um, some of the biggest breakthroughs that I've seen with clients who I know have had pretty, pretty poor posture and pretty bad um, postural mechanics are getting out of pain. And when, when they, you know, for, for a lot of people, for example, um, you know, and, and you could probably speak to this maybe better than I can, but when we're sitting for a long time, um, the chair is actually taking on most of the, the stress. So in other words, the spine that has all these postural muscles that attach to it, um, it doesn't, they don't really have to work at all. The, the chair is doing all of the stability for the system. And so it, it, Kelly Starrett of uh, Mobility Wad has a great term where he calls it, you're just hanging on your meat as opposed to sitting on your spine. And so when you're sitting on your spine, you know, you, you are engaging the muscles of your core. And so like, I know my wife, I go to her office at uh, work and she, she does, you know, a lot of her job is, is sitting at a desk. And so she has one of those, um, stability balls on wheels. Um, so it doesn't have a chair back. And so she can sit on that. And when she's sitting on that, it's really hard to slump. She has to sit a lot taller. There's the ball moves around a little bit on you. Um, and it gives you feedback as well. So when you do start to slump, you can feel it. And so you immediately, uh, self-correct yourself. And, uh, yeah. But I also think, I think it is still possible to slump in those, uh, and those balls though, as well. I think it does give you more awareness because it's like, Hey, I'm sitting on something unstable, but it is really to default back to that hanging on the meat phrase that you brought, which I love. I think that paints such a ugly picture for us to want to avoid. Right. And so, you know, what, you know, when you're hanging on your meat and you're not using the stability muscles of your core and of your, your trunk, um, what, what, you know, what stems from that is, you know, what we talked about, you know, if we look at what the joint by joint theory says, where, you know, our, our lumbar or core uh, area, which is supposed to be a stable segment of the body, when we lose stability there, well, what happens is, is we start to create stability in the areas above and below and the areas above and below, which are supposed to be mobile areas that the thoracic spine and the, um, the hips, they actually end up losing mobility um, and they get more stable because they're trying to create stability for a lack of stability through the core and, and low back. And, uh, and so, you know, we know that we talked about, you know, just that forward slump position, but how about the people who have been sitting for, you know, six, seven hours at a time at their desk, but, but they're in a hip flexed position. Right. And so they're, they're sitting on their glutes and their glutes are turning off and their hip flexors are really getting stuck kind of short and, and shortened up. Um, you know, what kind of problems do you see kind of stemming from there as well with, with the lower body? Cause that's definitely a part of it as well. Well, you see glute amnesia, you see people, uh, have an excessive, 
uh, pressure on their knees. You have people that can't move as well. Um, you get tight ankles, which is just going to further exacerbate any kind of other faults that they have, and they're just not going to move optimally. So if they do decide to exercise and they don't have uh, a trainer or somebody like that looking at them, they're probably doing it wrong and might just be further exacerbating their poor posture. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that most of the people, uh, they don't get hurt when they're training. They get, you know, most of the people that I see that have a back, um, a back injury or pain, it comes from, you know, something totally unrelated because they're just not aware of their posture when they go to do a, a regular human movement. So this is like the per person who bends over to tie their shoe farts and then pulls it, pulls the back muscle. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, but, but that's how it happens. And, and also, um, something that, um, you know, I learned from, uh, Dr. Degas, which is, uh, he's a, I believe a sports chiropractor or, or physical therapist out of New York city. He did a lot of instruction, uh, for EFTI at Equinox. When I was working out there, he taught us that when people are sleeping, uh, in the horizontal position, obviously most of us sleep, you know, in a horizontal position is that the discs and the spine fill up with fluid, right? They, they're like sponges. And so they fill up with fluid, um, when we're in that static position, the same thing happens when we are seated as well. And so when you don't have movement or constant movement through the spine, some rotation, some flexion, extension, and some um, lateral tilting, you end up, um, you know, potentially, having a disc herniation, a posterior disc herniation. And most of these disc herniations happen in the morning when somebody has not allowed their themselves to warm up. They've just gotten up uh, from bed. They have that fluid in between their discs. And because they haven't warmed up and they haven't slowly squeezed the fluid out of those discs, what ends up happening is they go to do a, a sudden movement. Maybe they bend down to pick up their shoes to put them on in the morning and they end up, you know, blowing their back out. And you always hear about it happening early morning with people. And I think that's a big part of uh, why we see these injuries earlier in the day with a lot of people, because there's a, a lack of movement. And then somebody goes right into doing some sort of movement in the spine that is overly excessive and, and da potentially damaging because of that reason. Yeah. Yeah. And you and I started doing um, in the book on the day that you recommended to me by um, Aubrey Marcus. His morning routine, the first thing he does is do 23 burpees. You know, the, the number 23 has no significance other than the fact that he just likes number 23. But I started implementing the same thing. As soon as I wake up, I do 30 body squats. I do 10 static inchworms because I'm trying to work on my posterior lower body flexibility. And then I'm just going to go. And maybe... And what, yeah, what, what, is, what kind of difference has that had for you, like in regards to how you feel to start your day versus when you weren't doing it? Well, I'll tell you, I stopped drinking coffee um, and that's more in line with my intermittent fasting protocol that I've been in for the past nine months. Uh, so I feel, I honestly, I feel great. Um, I feel like I, when I do have coffee in the morning sparingly now, it's like too much. So doing those movements now, it kind of just resets me and gets me into a good, normal, uh, good feeling kind of, way to start the day. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another point too, is, um, our lymphatic system, which is the system that doesn't have, uh, like, you know, our, our cardiovascular system, our ventilatory, all these systems have 
ways to kind of cleanse themselves and clean themselves out, um, which is involuntary. But the lymphatic system is the one where if we don't have movement and if we don't create movement through the body, through different planes of motion and, you know, different stress on the system, um, you know, just hopping in place, if we don't have some sort of movement, we don't, we don't, um, kind of prime that lymphatic system and clean ourselves out. And so that can end up cascading into some illness or sickness or injury as well. So really the, the message behind that is you got to move. You just, you have to move. And that's part, what, that's part of what posture break does. I mean, I, if people can go on my Instagram page, they'll have a series of movements that you can just do in your work attire that can just get you to move. And, and that should be used in addition to the things we were talking about earlier, going for a walk, conducting walking meetings, drinking a lot of water. Um, so you get up and use the bathroom. I, I, it's a real holistic approach. You, you, you have to move. That's a, that's great. And I want to link to that as well. Uh, so people can check out those movements. Uh, if, if, uh, something I want to ask you, I'm glad you brought that up. If people were to pick out like two big bang for your buck type of movements that they can do, you know, today, uh, let's say that they're at work and they're listening to this or they're headed into work on their commute and they've been sitting in the car or they're going to, they know they're going to be sitting for a while. What are like two quick, quick and dirty type of, you know, movements that they can do, um, you know, right away, that would probably give them the most bang for their buck. And, and keep in mind, people are listening here. So you have to be a little descriptive. Right, of course. And, and I would I would point them to easily two movements that come to my mind immediately. And the two movements are the split stance yoga plex, which I'll dive into in just a little bit. And then a no money exercise, which very popular exercise in personal training. So the, the split stance yoga plex you're standing up in like a split stance position. Your feet are about a foot and a half apart from each other, shoulder width apart. And all you do is you bring your arm for one arm forward, um, the, the leg that's back, you bring that arm forward in a upward circular motion. And then once your arm gets totally vertical and you continue bringing that arm around, you turn your upper back a little bit. You keep looking at your hand with your eyes and then return back to start. So it's almost like doing like a, some kind of like overhead circular motion. And I love this movement for so many reasons. For one, it gets us into upper back extension, which is the complete opposite position from where we are when we're sitting. So it's providing a little bit of mobility and a little bit of stability in that upper back um, position, even getting some cervical rotation. Um, you're also lengthening your your hip lines and your, where your hip flexors are with that back leg especially. You can even squeeze that back glute. And you can refer to um, my Instagram page, the Split Stance Yoga Plex, if you want a better visual cue of what this looks like. Um, and then since you are in the split stance, you're also working on your balance a little bit. You're working on your proprioceptive system and you're strengthening muscles in your feet and you know, it also gets you a little bit more in the moment. You're not thinking about whatever it is that you have to do. But you can say that with any of my movements. So I love that split stance yoga plex. I think people could do that in one movement for the rest of their lives and probably improve their posture like that. But also the no money, very simple movement where you're just standing with good posture. You bring your arms up, your hands up at a 90 degree position. If your arms, your arms are straight down beside you, you bring them up to 90 degrees, palms straight, uh, palms are faced up in the air and then keeping your elbows by your side, you're just going to open up your hands almost like you're saying, where's my money at? 
and then you bring them right back together. Um, and that's just going to strengthen the upper back muscles, give you some mobility in the anterior deltoid, in the pec area, and you'll be strengthening important upper back muscles, specifically the rhomboids. I, I was picturing uh, when you're talking about the no money, you know how you play that hand slaps game where somebody puts their hands on top of yours and then you have to try to slap the top of their hand. That's kind of the starting position, right? So your elbows are tucked in tight. And it's almost like if you're teaching a kid to catch a ball, like, hey, put your hands out in front of you. And then you're just taking your thumbs and keeping your palms up and you're pulling them out to the side and trying to point your thumbs all the way behind you as far as you can go and then bringing your hands back. Yeah, I love that. Yep, exactly. Uh, I love those. Yeah. And how, how long should those two movements take somebody to do? Like if they were just to, you know, hop up and take a break to do that. I think like that's, that's all you need. Uh, you, you incorporate some walking, you incorporate those two movements, you incorporate some, a lot of water drinking. I mean, it could be anywhere. It depends on your time. It's going to be dependent on the person. But I would say anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes. If you could take 30 seconds to two minutes, two to four times during your work day, I think it's going to make a big difference in how your body develops over time and even how you feel in the short term by giving yourself a little break of some low intensity movement where studies have shown that doing low intensity movements such as walking or even put a, some posture break movements into that realm, it can improve your energy levels even more so than lying down can for 10 or 12 minutes. Yeah, I love that. And and like all in all, just doing that two to three times like throughout the day, those two movements, I mean, you're looking at maybe five minutes maximum of time and that's kind of broken up. So you're not really missing it. If you're doing a minute and a half, two minutes here, a minute and a half, two minutes there, um, that's, that's nothing. And, you know, it takes you longer to get up and go to the bathroom and come back. Um, and, and there's a huge payoff just, just breaking up your day. I mean, it probably increases your alertness as well. I know that, you know, uh, for me, staring at blue light on the computer screen is just, you know, painful in itself. And a lot of people get headaches or tension headaches from that. And part of that is their, their posture and their necks being strained as well. It's actually not their, their, you know, the reason they get a headache is because their neck is kind of pulling on those sub um, uh, uh, part of their, their head. Right. And so, um, <clears throat> just that in itself can help kind of break up the day a little bit, re-energize you, um, and, and I think I like the point where you said do it a couple times throughout the day because it's about building a habit, right? And, and building a habit routine. Have you found that it's, um, it's easier or hard for people to create the new habit of doing that? And because I know for one, I know, for example, you're, you're, you know, um, a precision nutrition coach as well, which is heavy into, um, you know, habit, habit change, not just in regards to nutrition, but in exercise in any kind of mindfulness practice. And I would consider this somewhat of a mindfulness practice. Um, you know, where do, where do you see that in regards to your clients or people you've worked with? Um, you know, do they struggle with trying to find, find the habit of doing this or what are some hacks for maybe, um, creating more awareness to, to kind of trigger them to, to, to remind themselves to do this throughout the day? Yeah, I think definitely people have trouble implementing this. There's a stigma with doing a movement like this in the middle of a workday in a professional environment where you're wearing professional clothes. You don't want them to get out of place and out of order. And, you know, just the fact that you'll be standing up doing some, you know, unorthodox looking movements in a whole world of cubicles. Um, so that's, that's a hard thing to, to try to implement. Hopefully posture break is changing that one posture break session at a time. But then some little hacks that you could do is set notifications. Um, 
to give yourself little breaks. And then also, I just think the people that actually care about it, you know, they're going to take things into their own hand and do it. Whereas other people just, you know, they don't care. You know, why do people still buy cigarettes? You know, you're, you're buying cancer. Why are you doing this? So I, I, there's some behavior that we just can't explain and people not caring about their posture and how their body performs is one of those things. Right. Well, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and I think we've, we've seen that it's really hard to, to uh, get people to conform to an idea when they've been doing something a certain way for such a long time. But um, what I really like about what you do with posture break is when you bring it into a environment of the whole company's doing it right. Or everyone in this meeting is stopping to do it. Um, we're doing it together. Um, and it's kind of, it becomes more tribal, which, you know, I think in, instinctually um, us as humans, we are more tribal creatures. And so it's much easier to do something when everyone else is being involved in it. And it's much more acceptable, I guess you can say. Um, I think that's a great thing of what posture break brings to that, um, to that side of it. Um, do you see that there is less of a stigma with it when you are doing that in the work environment with, you know, a, a room of uh, a boardroom of like 10 to 12 people, for example, they, they feel more comfortable when the whole room's doing it versus, you know, somebody trying to, you know, break out a split stance in the middle of the, uh, the cubicle by themselves. Yeah, hundred percent. But you still get people that are uncomfortable even doing it in that team setting. And that's, there's nothing I can do. I think to kind of change their mindset about that. It's just, you know, they're, if they do implement some of these things and hopefully in 40 years, they're not going to succumb to the sitting disease, kyphotic posture that we see so many people adopt at this point. So there is, there is still a stigma even while I'm doing it. And I, I get eye rolls and I've learned just to address them and say, you know, there's some things in here that might create some eye rolls. So it is better for me just to be honest and get it out of the way and kind of break the ice a little bit. And people get a little bit more relaxed after you say that. Yeah, but I think there is a, a big trend we're seeing in bringing more health and wellness into the workplace. I think that companies now are realizing that, you know, the work productivity can actually be increased as opposed to letting people just work through breaks and, and you know, become tired and their posture suffer and, you know, then, then become more stressed and, and instead have them take a break, uh, you know, and, and do some movements like this to create more of a, you know, positive kind of a health environment within the workplace. And I think that there is a trend that's moving in that direction. I think, uh, you know, I'm reading a lot about companies who are doing a lot more investing into their employees because they are realizing that it does increase productivity when you have, a, you know, a, an employer who is looking out for your health and well-being and providing, you know, types of services like this. And, and they're really not expensive for employers either. Uh, especially at scale like that, um, and, you know, I can't imagine what the cost per employee would be to have some sort of, um, you know, um, you know, some sort of program implemented in the workplace like that. But I would imagine that the return on the type of work that could be performed, you know, for that small cost is is probably in the in the employer's um, you know benefit, right? For sure. I mean, you you get more productive employees. Yet people showing up to work more often because they don't have some of these musculoskeletal injuries that may happen from too much sitting. Um, you also get an environment of having employees thinking that their employers actually care about them too. So all those things really do work to create a positive change for both parties. So it's a mutually beneficial service. 
That's awesome. Um, Zach, I, I definitely want to wrap up here in just a few. And so uh, one thing I'm curious too, I, I definitely want to put out uh, for one where people can connect with you um, in, in a moment. But just before we get to that, you know, what would be, if, if I were to ask you like what, what's one, you know, kind of performance hack or performance um, uh, strategy that people can implement that would, you know, take their, their, you know, performance, you know, to another level, whether that be the, the worker, the person who is in the gym, you know, working out, do you have kind of like a strategy or a, a you know, a big picture, um, idea that you feel, and, and, and you can go anywhere you want with this. Uh, it doesn't have to be posture related, but is there one kind of performance strategy that you feel, um, you know, if you wanted to throw, throw a message out there to people that, Hey, this one thing can upgrade you as a person right now, uh, what would that be for you? Yeah, I think that, that's an easy one. Uh, for me, uh, the thing I would say is diaphragmatic breathing. If you, get people, if you get people breathing, it could help shoulder pain. It could help shoulder performance. It can help your digestive system. It can help your energy levels. It can help your performance. It can help your mood. Um, it can help your posture sitting at your desk. It can help how you think. It can improve your cognitive performance. It can improve your cardiovascular performance. Um, I think that's something that is probably way overlooked in the general population as far as their fitness goes. But I know when I started focusing on my breathing, whether it's during my workouts, during work, during my training sessions, during my client training sessions, when they improve their breathing, their core is going to fire more effectively, their performance will be increased, their cardiovascular system will increase. Um, I think... No question, it's breathing properly and use, utilizing your, your breathing mechanics. I mean, is, can you expand on that and, and what you found with, with people? I, yeah, I was so I, I actually, I've been going back and forth with uh, both Matt and Eric, and they're going to love hearing this because just this morning we were talking about, um, there's, there's some research out there that shows that uh, you can increase your EPO levels by doing breath holds because it up, up, um, it does uh, so basically controlled breathing, right? Uh, or a form of a form of controlled breathing. It basically uh, upticks your CO two, which means your bone marrow then uh, has to release more red blood cells into your system. It tricks your brain into thinking it's hypo hypoxic, and um, and so it it actually increases your EPO levels for a, a you know a small amount of time after you do your you know, a couple series of breath holds. And um, we we were talking about it, and it, we we were just saying this morning if there was one biohack that we feel like can give people the most bang for your buck. It's, it's controlled breathing. And to all the points you just said, you know, enhancement of performance, reducing anxiety, boosting your immune system, uh, increasing your alertness, helping with insomnia. I mean, for one, developing mindfulness and lowering stress levels, that's a huge one. Um, there is so many things that you can get out of just focusing on your breath and doing diaphragmatic breathing. I've done a lot of it with my clients. And the best part about it, you don't have to pay a dime for it. It's free. It's a hundred percent free. So, I mean, there are so many different, you know, breathing hacks that you can do, but, but I, I love what you said. That was, I mean, so spot on to, to what we believe and what we preach and, and how we practice with our clients as well. So I love it. Yeah. And I, I also want to also expand from my experience, personal training clients that have poor breathing mechanics don't perform very well in the gym or they don't have good movement patterns. 
And that's what I just see traditionally. People, especially older populations that have never learned to breathe, that totally breathe through their mouth and their neck and their shoulders, they're tighter in their muscles, they're more tense, and they just generally probably have more pain and they just can't move as well. Um, so if, if it's all those other things we described weren't motivating enough, just moving better and feeling better that you get from improved breathing um, is another great benefit too. No, oh, I love it. I love it. That's, that's, you know, just right in line with, I think, I know what, what we believe. So, um, so Zach, you know, if there are companies out there or people who uh, want to bring a little bit more health and wellness and specifically what you offer, which is, you know, bring, bringing posture into the workplace and, and, uh, uh, you know, more of an awareness of posture and, uh, into the workplace, where can they go to connect with you? Um, do you have a website, email, uh, are you on Instagram, Facebook? Sure. So you, you can see a lot of my content, a lot of the things I discussed here on my Instagram page at, at Posture Break. You could also go to posturebreak.com. There's a lot of ways to get in touch with me there. You can call, you can email info at posturebreak.com. You can direct message me in Instagram. Um, so really Instagram is really our main platform. Um, awesome, man. That's so great. Um, so Zach, man, thanks for doing this. I, I, had a great time um, and definitely learned a couple things. I'm always, even, even though a lot of these topics come up a lot of times, it's always great to, to just discuss them because there are things that, uh, that, you know, a lot of times we forget, you know, we probably forget more than we remember. Um, so it's really great to, to uh, you know, bring this up. And, and I think there's some really gems in here for the listener, especially uh, some of those movements that they can do right now. And, and in regards to, you know, creating habits, um, and then just, you know, the morning routine stuff, I think is just going to be a game changer for a lot of people as well. So, um, we'll link definitely to your website, uh, as well as Instagram and, um, you know, love to, uh, chat with you again at some point. So thanks, man. Always enjoy our conversations, Mike. And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. You got it. Take care, man. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we would love it if you could give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Um, send the Spotify link to a friend, whatever you're listening to um, the podcast on. Uh, we'd love it if you could share it, spread the good word. Um, that helps us get this good information in more people's ears. And uh, that's what it's all about. Now, if you would like more information, you can visit our website, goldenhomefitness.com. And if you're curious about how you can work out at home, what home exercise is like, why, any of that, we have an awesome ebook available at goldenhomefitness.com slash ebook, all one word ebook. And if you're in the Boston area, you are also, as a podcast listener, eligible to receive your first workout with us for free. It's a complimentary session. You can get all the info on that by going to goldenhomefitness.com slash let's move, all one word. So with that as a great transition, let's move on into the rest of our day, into the week, make the most of this time, and have an awesome day.